Hi everyone, you are tuning in to Learn FM. My name is Lian Tan, and I invite you to join me on a learning adventure through this podcast, where we discuss topics related to learning, growth, personal development, and more. I hope that you are able to digest the information that we'll be sharing and start applying some simple tips and tricks into your daily life. And don't forget to share your learnings with others, because when we learn together, we grow together. I highly recommend that you take time off screen to listen to this, or even go outside for a walk. Of course, please be mindful of your surroundings and stay safe. This podcast is brought to you by DSM. DSM is a global, purpose-led, science-based company active in nutrition, health, and sustainable living. DSM's purpose is to create brighter lives for all. In this episode, we will be talking about resilience. Our guest today is Geraldine Majid. She's the co-CEO and CFO, and a member of the managing board of DSM. She also has a passion for traveling and adventures. Geraldine will be sharing with us her personal story on how she manages her resilience and takes time to work off screen when needed. Hi, Geraldine. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Learn FM podcast. Well, before we get started, how are you feeling on this Friday evening? Oh well, hi, and thanks for having me. Uh, how am I feeling right now? Uh, it's been a long, it's been a full week, but it's also been actually a very positive week. So I would say satisfied, but a bit tired. Mm-hmm. That's how most of us probably would feel on a Friday evening. Before we dive straight into the podcast, we have prepared some fun questions to get to know the other side of you. Don't have to overthink this. Just answer this the first thing that comes into your mind. Are you ready? Yeah, let's go. Okay. Are you an early bird or a night owl? Oh, definitely an early bird. Do you prefer sweet or savory work snacks? Savory. And exercise. What's your take on it? Yes or no? Definitely exercise. I'm very curious because you are also a CFO. What was your favorite subject in school? What was my favorite subject in school? Actually, it was geography. Oh. If you put a map of the world in front of me, I will look at it for hours. Wow. If you had a superpower, what would it be? Ooh, a superpower. Um, I think my superpower is actually connecting people, mm-hmm. giving them that sort of self-belief that, yes, you can. I tend to get on with everyone and seem to have a positive influence on them, which makes me very happy. <laughs> I can totally see that happening. What's the biggest distraction for you during working hours? Oh, is that a positive distraction or just any distraction? Something that just always gets your attention. Oh, okay. Sadly, emails are my biggest distraction in terms of time being misallocated. And on the positive, I have to say that I do keep an eye on my social media apps, but more the messaging. Um, You know, when a WhatsApp comes in, I can't resist having a look because usually it's from someone that I, you know, I want to hear from. And yeah, that's a big distraction. So switching off the phone is important. And maybe a last one for you is what is your guilty pleasure? (laughs) <laughs> oh, guilty pleasure. Um, probably the one where I feel the most naughty is actually watching sport on TV mm-hmm. because I, I like 
doing exercise and I love sports. So there's something in my mind that says, why are you sitting on a couch watching other people doing sports? Mm -hmm. But on the same time, I really enjoy it. So I never own up to the fact that I can spend quite a few hours watching all kinds of sports on TV. Red Bull TV is one of my favorites. Um, And it makes me, it's my adventure side, you know, and I just dream that I'm there with them. Now that is a really fun, guilty pleasure. Let's get started with today's topic, focusing around resilience. What does resilience mean to you? Yeah, that's a very important subject. And to be honest, with the way that the world is today, there's never an end to what we should be doing, could be doing. And although I like um, sports very much and I do a lot of endurance sports, I actually think that mental resilience is the most critical one even before the pandemic and us working remotely. And in fact, I was uh, listening to another podcast because I like podcasts. And this one was from Tignam, where Scott was talking to Laura Penhold. And she's a a rather crazy person, if you ask me, because she decided one day there would be a good idea to put a team of four women together and row across the Pacific Ocean. It's 15,000 kilometers. It took them 257 days and they were rowing two hours on, two hours off across the Pacific Ocean. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, why would anyone want to do that in the first place? But more importantly, she was talking about resilience. And she said, you know, we planned everything. We planned how the boat should be, what supplies, you know, would we be fit enough? What are the technical challenges? Do we know where we're going? But she said the one thing that they should have thought a lot more about is the mental resilience. Because on some days they were rowing and they were going backwards because they had a headwind. Or they went completely off course because of currents and they were actually much worse off, mm-hmm. although having put a lot of energy. And when you're on a little boat, four people in the middle of the ocean, there is no quitting. There is no walking away. And that one of the learnings there that I thought was great is always remember it starts with mental resilience. Mm-hmm. If your head is in the right space, the rest will be fine. And also be kind to yourself. Yeah. Things will go wrong. Don't blame yourself. So that's, to me, was a a very nice, and I listened to it last week, and I thought, you know what, that really speaks to me. Mental resilience comes first. Well, thank you for sharing this beautiful story. So if we're talking about mental resilience and resilience, where do we want to be in the future? What do you think this could look like? I think more flexibility and focusing ourselves maybe less on action, but more on impact. We tend to measure our success or avoid guilt Mm -hmm. by doing a lot. And if we worked from morning to evening and through the night, somehow, you know, it's a measure of we're we're determined, we're dedicated, we're loyal, etc. And that applies to work and home. Whereas hopefully in the future, we are better at actually figuring out, have we achieved what we were trying to achieve? And we may get there with still half of the emails unread in the mailbox, doesn't matter because then we we can feed our own emotions of we've achieved what we set out to achieve. And if not, so be kinder to ourselves. So it, it's very important. And, and of course, in a world where if you're like me and you're an extrovert, sometimes you don't get the feedback loops that give you energy. So finding ways of getting that positive energy 
and getting sources of it, we may have to create and be much more deliberate about it, that it's not accidental. It, you actually structure it in your way of, in your mindset, but also in the way that you manage your days, your weeks, your years. And how do you do that for yourself? Well, um, I try and I don't succeed every day. Let me be fair. I try to create on and off moments mm -hmm. uh, because if you have this feeling that you have to be 10 out of 10 all the time, it weighs on you a lot. So maybe the first thing I do is actually plan my day. Mm -hmm. So I tend to start uh, every day with a bit of movement. Uh, and it's not actually, it's not a cardio exercise, but I start with stretching in the morning before anything else. So that helps me. And, you know, maybe sometimes if I'm feeling in a good mood, I add a bit of weights or something, but it's really about moving and getting my body ready for the day. That's one tip. The other one is that I really try to keep moments, even if they're small moments, between meetings, for example, or between tasks. Uh, so I started, for example, in the pandemic, making the mistake of going back to back to back to back. And that's not helpful. So now I make meetings maximum 45 minutes and try to keep at least 15 minutes to A, process a little bit what happened, move, go and get a glass of water, um, these kinds of things. So there's a certain, it's a physical resilience, but it's also giving your brain moment to sort of transition from different things and be in the moment a little bit more. So these are some of the tips. Uh, I also like power naps, by the way. Oh, Yeah, so that I, I, I never did before the pandemic, but it was, it kind of, I was struggling in, it was May, June last in 2020, mm -hmm. when we were a few months in the pandemic and, and it had been, we'd been in the red for a while. And then I realized that you can actually do power naps and you can even do cat naps. So you drink a coffee and then you sleep for 15, 20 minutes. When you wake up, it's amazing how much your brain is so much fresher and the caffeine by then is kicking in. So then you really are very refreshed. Um, and I used to feel, oh my goodness, only very old people do naps um, and I'm going to feel worse afterwards. But when you make it a deliberate choice, mm -hmm. it's actually something that's very powerful, especially if you have a few days in a row that are pretty demanding. So, you know, that's one of the skills that I found. And so that's on the, the daily things. What I also really try to do is if I think of my week mm -hmm. after and it's Friday today, so I can share Saturday is an off day. Saturday is not a DSM day. It's a day for the family. It's a day for exercise. It's a day for watching TV and sport on TV, my guilty pleasure, if the weather's bad or whatever. But it helps so much to create real moments where you say, mm -mm, this is going to be different. And I know that if I, when I do it properly, then I'm much better on the Sunday, if I have to work Sunday, Monday, uh, and then on we go. If I've had a moment to just basically drop it all and say it's over. And for the same reason, I love to plan holidays well in advance mm -hmm. and try to. And the reason why well in advance is that I need everyone to know I'm on holiday. Therefore, I expect not to be disturbed because otherwise you're if it's a kind of a holiday where you're working all the time, your brain doesn't recover. Mm -hmm. And that 
really impacts your resilience. So here you go. Those are a few of, of the sort of the how I try to maintain my energy. I'm happy to hear that because those are also the things that I do. Like I do yoga in the morning because motion is lotion. You need to move and get things flowing. And also I took a power nap today because I was so tired in the middle of the day. I was like, I want to do this podcast. I want to be right on top. So I did it and I felt super refreshed. So thank you for sharing that you do that too. Now there is a question that I have to ask you from my younger self. When I was doing my master's in business studies, you know, there's always this one module in leadership where you have to learn about different types of leadership styles. And for quite a while, there was a trend or hype around the superhero type of leaders. They somehow do not need much sleep and can go on nonstop and still be on top of their game all the time. What's your take on this? Are CEOs in general superheroes? Well, I think I'm going to reveal something here. I'm afraid not. <laughs> Let's be clear, CEOs are human beings and we all have our own traits. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm a much better CEO if I've had eight hours of sleep. I'm going to listen better. I'm going to think faster. I'm going to be more understanding, more creative, and I'm going to have so much more impact mm -hmm. if I've had sleep. Deprive me of sleep too much and you will get the worst Geraldine you've ever seen. You know, impatient, not listening, stubborn, and, and all the characteristics that you'd rather not have in a leader. And yes, CEOs take holidays. And yes, they have pets or children or hobbies. Um, and it's what makes us, of course, human and, and very much part of everyday life like anybody else. So there are no superheroes, no matter what the title is. <laughs> Ooh, thank you so much for removing this label that I'm sure most of us probably have on our minds. As a manager yourself, what do you do to make sure that your team is feeling well? So that, and particularly right now, it's it's a very important aspect because we are still, as we speak today, working for a main part remotely. And we've had to a bit reinvent how do we keep everyone feeling well. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the, the things that I try to do is be very mindful of people's time. It's very easy to be so focused on the subject, on the it of, okay, we want to get these things done, that you load one thing on top of the other. And if you don't help with prioritizing, you create a lot of pressure, psychological pressure and stress on people. And it's partly unfair because prioritizing is a joint responsibility. By the way, I don't think it's only, you know, from me to the team, the team should also help with the prioritizing and, and we should discuss it. So, so that's one thing. We try to use digital tools as much as possible for quick connects, you know, using the Microsoft Teams messaging and making sure that things flow as efficiently as possible easy to find documents, uh, avoid all of the, if there's one thing, and I think we're all the same, that really affects certainly mental resilience, but, uh, you know, annoy people is a waste of time. Yeah. So, you know, when two people are working in parallel on the same thing, not realizing that they are, and then they find out that, you know, this was really time wasted or... If you don't agree upfront what you're trying to achieve, then people can put a lot of work and effort and then you come along and you're, well, actually, that's not what I was really thinking about. Mm -hmm. And they have all reasons to say, well, you could have been clearer as to what you were hoping to get. 
And these are some of the things that I really try to be very mindful that everybody's time is precious. Mm-hmm. So how do we work very not efficiently in the same of doing, but in in thinking first and acting second. Thank you for sharing this. I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on whose responsibility is it to take care of one's well-being. Does the responsibility lie with the manager or should it be the individual's responsibility? I have to say in today's world, we all need to own our own. Of course, as an employer, as a manager, as a friend, if you can help others do the right things, it's our responsibility as well. But first and foremost, it's a personal choice. Mm-hmm. It's also very much because in an organization where you have a lot of people, it's not so easy to know the circumstances of everyone. Although in a pandemic, we are seeing a lot more of what are the family settings in which our colleagues are working. So you, if your colleagues have young children, you can accommodate, you can put tools in place. So for example, what we're doing right now is we're trying to encourage team discussions. So what we're doing in this sort of hybrid workplace that we're going to is really encouraging everyone to together have the conversation and say, okay, so how often should we be working in the office? How often should we be remote? What are we going to do where? And this gives a very nice platform for individuals, for every individual to say, well, in my case, it helps me if we avoid phone calls before 9 a.m. because I have to take care of the breakfast at home with the children or you know, whatever the constraint may be. And these are things that we should do as much as we can influence. But if you really ask me, ultimately, who should own this well-being ambition? It's, It's each and every one of us for ourselves. And that, by the way, also within families. So it's not only about the work environment, but there's also, you know, constraints around families that, you know, you have to own as an individual, as a mother, as a father, as whatever, you know, how to make it work. Now, Geraldine, as you know, most of us are stuck in remote working these days, which means nonstop screen time or back-to-back virtual meetings. How do you personally battle or prevent screen fatigue? Yeah, this is a very important subject. And we're talking today on a Friday afternoon. And I know that by Friday afternoon, I can feel that I've spent a lot of time on screen. So it's, it's. I think it's not just academic, right? We really are all feeling that, that strain. So ways of trying to minimize that is to encourage slightly different ways of working. So for instance, it's a good idea to identify in your week or in your day meetings where honestly, we're not going to be looking at a document or anything. So we could just be talking good old fashioned, just voice. And that gives people either the chance to do it while walking around Uh, as long as it's not too noisy in the background, Um, or even to just be standing and and walking in wherever your workspace is and not looking at a screen. So that's something that we've started to introduce and really want to make part of the culture that we warn people before the meeting, by the way, because that allows them to make even better use of it. Mm -hmm. I've seen the invite This is off-screen meeting. So that's important. Personally, what I do as well is that on Saturdays, I really 
do everything I can to avoid being on a screen. Mm -hmm. So if there's a need to have a call, et cetera, it's going to be only on the phone. And I really, you have to, yeah, kicking and screaming, do I accept to be on screen, especially Saturdays and if I can, Sundays. But but during the week, because that's when the, the biggest sort of overload of screen time is, we really try to encourage these off-screen sessions. Mm-hmm. And they can be, if you think about it up front, you can make it still very effective. It needs just a little bit of planning. Here's another tip that I can share for more off-screen time. On your Apple or Android mobile devices, there is a feature for digital wellness or well-being. Basically, you can limit the time you spend on certain applications or set different modes that restrict all the apps except for crucial mobile functions or the ones you prefer to use. Well, that has been saving me from using too much Instagram, for example. Well, that is a good idea because we tend to think of time on screen as being, you know, Zoom and Teams and on PCs. But the reality is then we walk away and we do exactly the same on our phones. So for our eyes, we're not helping at all. (laughs) So, okay, I'm going to have a look at that feature. Thanks for sharing. Well, I do hope that will help you indeed. If you look at the following buckets, nutrition, mindset, fitness and recovery. Which of the four would you say is something that you need to improve on or focus more attention on? Yeah, that's a tricky one. I will probably pick mindset. And the reason why is exercise I've known for a long time I need it. If I don't, I start having a back problem, etc. So that one, I think I've got it quite well done. Nutrition is, of course, part of what we are as a company, something I'm passionate about. And I've been watching my nutrition even more carefully now in the context of resilience, I have to say. And and recovery is, I know that I need sleep and that I need time off, etc. Mindset is the one that can get me because I am a very driven person mm-hmm. and it is never done. It is never over. You can never say, yeah, I've ticked all the box, you know, I've done all the emails, all my actions, etc. And I can be guilty of falling in the guilt. So I'm guilty of falling in this sort of mindset of guilt of I've not done enough. I've not done it all. I've let people down. I'm blocking others. And the hardest thing sometimes is to reframe that and say, what did I actually do right? You know, where am I proud of what I've achieved? And I dismiss that virtually immediately. And I focus on what's not done. And on a Friday, I now try to force myself. I have a little thing at a time in my planner, which is look back. And (laughs) it sounds a bit weird, but congratulate yourself because otherwise I don't do it. So it's a moment of reflection and I tend to do it in three ways. Well, in, in three pieces. What are the three things I'm really happy that I did well? What are the two things that didn't go so well, uh, but I learned from. Mm -hmm. And what is the one thing that I want to take forward as a learning and say, okay, next time, mm, you know, I I should prepare this kind of meeting better, or I should have had more sleep or whatever it may be. And if you systematically put that in your rhythm, if you tend to be like me of being a little too driven and a little too self-critical, at least it forces your brain to also get the chemical benefit because it creates something in your brain when you do that. 
Do you store these reflections somewhere, digitally or writing it on a notebook? I currently do it in my mind. I look back at the calendar and I think about, okay, how did the week go? And even if it's been a bad week, I force myself to find three things that I thought actually, but maybe the outcome's not what I would hope, but I did do this right. Like, um, preparing or yeah, being rested, having eaten the right things, things about my own personal, how did I go into it? Was I ready? But I like the idea. Thank you for that. I'm going to actually start writing them down. Well, thank you for sharing this because I'm going to add this to my calendar as well to do some personal reflection and give myself a pat on the back. So Geraldine, I'm really excited that we have a new culture compass at DSM. And one of the things that really resonated with me amongst all the others was the word caring. It really ties in very nicely with the podcast today. It's all about resilience. Would you like to share a little bit more about this? Ah, Yes, absolutely. So as you know, our culture campus has two parts and one is talking about who we are. And those are the three C's, courageous, caring and collaborative. And the bottom part is all about what we stand for. And we like to take responsibility for our impact inside and out. We like to champion sustainability and we like to deliver value. And this is our very straightforward and yet so meaningful culture compass. Now, you're actually right that the word caring is not a word that is that often used in the business world. You know, we talk about being efficient, driving value, courageous sometimes. But when we first put caring out there, uh, both Dimitri and myself, we were thinking, oh, I wonder how that's going to be understood, because to us, it is critical. We truly believe that if you, as a company, care not only about people, but also about planet, it will drive your choices and it will make you the kind of purpose-led organization that we are. It's so tied to our values and to what our science can bring to the world. We care about the world, we care about the people in it, and that includes our colleagues. And if it's at the root of pretty much all that you do, you can't really go wrong. So yeah, it is front and center of the way that we think, both of our strategy, our people policies, our customers, Thanks for bringing it up because it is core to who we are as an organization. I can definitely confirm that because I really experience this in my day-to-day working life. When I don't feel well, colleagues really reach out and show their care for me. What are your thoughts on how managers can help their employees manage their own well-being and become more resilient, yet at the same time delivering value and ensuring that we as a company continue to grow? Yeah, it's a very, very good question because, of course, there's always a lot to be done. And I think um, we're not unique as a company to see that the workload on people is very high because the world keeps on changing. We can't plan everything. We couldn't plan the pandemic. We can't plan, you know, the bad weather uh, that impacts supply chains and all these things. So at times, of course, it's overwhelming. And for managers, finding that right balance between caring Mm -hmm. and taking care of of our people's well-being and resilience can clash with the must-deliver part of the business. Now, what we're trying, what I would say here is really think about different ways of working. We, for example, I think overuse synchronous working, so basically pulling people into meeting after meeting after meeting, when sometimes you're actually much better off giving people time to get their part of it done. 
So learning how to use asynchronous working, so which basically means working in parallel, passing the baton, being very careful about time zones, because it's fine to have calls and meetings, but we also need to be mindful that that impacts people. So it's all about A, being thoughtful, but also listening to the feedback. I think everyone could probably come up with ideas of how to manage the workload in a more efficient way, not pushing it away, just doing it differently. Mm -hmm. And that's why these team talks that we are launching, where we want every single team to work together and think together about how to be the most effective is gonna be a fantastic tool because then no one has to sort of second guess what our colleagues would like, you just ask them and say, what will work best for you? This is what we need to achieve. How do we get it done? So I'm a great believer in teams together will find their, their way of operating in the most efficient way if you make sure that you create that safe space where they can speak up and say what will work for them. So Geraldine, we're coming to the end of the interview. What top tips do you have for our listeners on managing uncertainties? Yeah, I will come here back to the story that I said at the beginning. And that was about these four women trying to row across the Pacific Ocean, which they did. And you can't control the wind. You can't control the tide. You can't control the currents. So at some point, you have to be very diligent in your own mind of focusing on the things you can't control. Now, uncertainty, if you focus on that, it will be very distressing at times. Whereas if you sort of every time say, well, what is it that I can control? I can control how I can contribute, what the skills I need, etc. So I guess, and it sounds maybe a weird advice, when there's a lot of uncertainty, don't think about the uncertainty. Think about the things that are actually quite certain. Mm -hmm. And you immediately feel a lot stronger because then you say, this is what I can do. And then whatever comes, that's what I will be focusing on. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing this, Geraldine. And before we come to the end, how are you feeling right now? I loved it. You just reminded me that, you know, resilience is never done, that I think I will congratulate myself for at least having some aspects of resilience reasonably under control, like nutrition and exercise. And you gave me a great idea of how to do a lot better the self-reflection at the end of the week. So thank you for that. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today, Jaredine. This was really insightful and really fun. Thank you. I personally learned a lot from Jaredine. Here's a quick recap of what she shared. For example, why resilience is so important and specifically mental resilience. Her tips and tricks to make remote working work for her and how to manage uncertainties to overcome the fear of the unknown. My question to you is, which tip would you start using yourself? Before we end, I want to share a little trick that I use to help myself through stressful moments. It's called the 478 breathing technique, also known as the relaxing breath. My husband was having a really stressful period the other day, and I taught him this breathing technique. The moment he started doing this breathing exercise, his smartwatch indicated that his stress level dropped tremendously. This 478 breathing technique has been taught by Dr. Andrew Well to help with reducing anxiety, helping a person get to sleep, managing cravings, and controlling or reducing anger responses. Making sure that you're in a safe location to try this exercise 
a word of caution, sometimes individuals might feel a little lightheaded after doing this for the first few times, so it is highly advisable to try this sitting down or laying down to prevent getting dizzy. I invite you to join me, if this is safe for you, to gently close your eyes, observe where your awareness is at this point in time. Now, there is no need to judge if we are stuck thinking about our work or to-do lists. Let's start by emptying the lungs. Breathing in quietly through the nose for 4 seconds. Holding the breath for a count of 7 seconds. Exhaling through the mouth with a sound for 8 seconds. Repeat this cycle up to 4 times. If you can't hold your breath for that long, you can always try a shorter pattern. The most important thing is that you keep the ratio of this breath technique, for example, breathe in through the nose for 2 seconds, holding your breath for a count of 3.5 seconds, exhaling through the mouth for 4 seconds. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Learn FM. Don't forget to share what you have learned from this podcast with others, because when we learn together, we grow together.